Thank you, Teacher Lynn and Monto, for that lesson on how to pray. Well, hello, everyone. Have you ever had those awkward moments where you are trying to communicate with people but get misunderstood? Often it ends up with embarrassment, other times hurt feelings, even anger. I confess I have. A few years ago, some of us went to an Asian American Christian leadership conference in Los Angeles. After the final session, as we were leaving the parking lot, we followed another car that had two elderly Korean ladies. I noticed that their trunk door was popped open. So wanting to be a good Samaritan, I told my friend driving to catch up with their car so I could tell him. At the next signal light, I started waving to get the attention of the driver, and I made sure I was smiling so as not to scare them, to give a friendly appearance and that I wasn't a thug. I thought I was successful until the woman driving looked at me and started to giggle. She turned to her friend next to her and they both started giggling. Suddenly, I was mortified. I realized they misunderstood my intentions. They thought I was hitting on them, that I was flirting, freaking out, shaking my head, no. I quickly pointed at the back of the car. The Ajima saw her trunk was open. Embarrassed, the driver finally understood. <laughs> Very awkward moment for me, but a lesson learned. Conversations without relationship can be hard, but to have authentic relationships, we must have hard conversations. We are in a current series called Who's My Neighbor? We are learning together what it means to love others in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And on the issue of racism and racial justice, we have been encouraging us to all have conversations with persons who are different, especially culturally or ethnically also challenging us to have those more difficult conversations if opportunity presents itself with family members or friends who express biased and racist views. Both kinds of conversations are not easy, but mostly due to the latter, some of you asked, how do I do that? Honestly, I feel uncomfortable when I'm having difficult conversations with my parents or grandparents. Maybe it's an uncle or auntie, a sibling, well, I have to confess, I'm no expert. My encouragement to you is gotta try. No one is perfect, we will make mistakes, there will be misunderstandings, but with a loving attitude, and I emphasize again, with a loving attitude and good counsel, hopefully we'll do right. I just know passively remaining silent is not acceptable. And then another thing I know, like, with a lot of things, hard conversations start with relationship. Difficult conversations are hard, so leverage relationship. And to help us, I want us to look at the modeling by our Lord Jesus when he had tough conversations. Like, for example, his encounter with the woman at the well in the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bibles, let's go together to John chapter 4, verses 4 to 27 starting with verse four. And he, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, 
was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, and that happens to be around noontime. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Here, the conversation takes an interesting turn. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, uh, uh, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Now jumping down to verse 24, Jesus said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? And that is the word of the Lord. Jesus showed us in this encounter with the Samaritan woman how to have difficult conversations that can make a difference and transform people. And Jesus engaged with the woman exactly how social justice activist Brian Stevenson tells people how to engage. Brian Stevenson is a Harvard lawyer, founder and executive director of Equal Justice Initiative, and author of the book, Just Mercy, which is the true story for the movie by the same name. From Brian Stevenson, his four ways to engage in racial justice are get proximate, change the narrative, stay hopeful, learn to be uncomfortable. And I'll go in more detail with each one as we walk through John 4. From Jesus' example, first, get proximate. And we see this in verse 4 and verse 7. To get proximate means to get closer, to draw near to a person, place, or issue. And that's what Jesus did in our story of the woman at the well. The scripture tells us in verse four that Jesus had to pass through Samaria on his way back to Galilee from Judea. But actually, he didn't really have to do that. 
many Jewish people of that time would go around Samaria and avoid encountering Samaritans who the Hebrews considered as unclean and dire enemies. Jesus, however, intentionally chose to go through Samaria. And in town, he intentionally sat at a well at noontime, hot, tired, and thirsty, waiting for someone to give him water. Jesus knew that someone would likely be a woman because women in that culture gathered at the water well. And being in Samaria, it would be a Samaritan woman. Lo and behold, a Samaritan woman did come. And Jesus intentionally asked her for a drink of water in verse 7. It was unthinkable for a Jew, a man, a rabbi, to intentionally have contact with a Samaritan woman. But Jesus does not follow conventional rules and intentionally took initiative to have a conversation with someone so different from him. Jesus got proximate. Plus, Jesus is self-aware an important skill we should have for difficult conversations. How many of you, when you enter into a conversation, read the room, so to speak? In particular, is it safe? And who here has control and power? To figure out where you're positioned with the people you are engaging with. I know I do. I believe most people of color are used to doing this when interacting with white dominant culture. And for sure, Black Americans do this every day they step out the door. Jesus, for sure, was self-aware of the power dynamics with the woman at the well. He understood by world standards he had power. He was Jewish, male, and highly educated and respected. And this person was Samaritan, female, and likely uneducated, and had a scandalous reputation. The woman at the well even wondered, why are you, a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan wa woman, for water? The optics were not good. But Jesus intentionally demonstrated to the Samaritan woman, he, although privileged, needed her help. He was physically tired, hot, and thirsty, and had no way to draw water from the deep well. This woman, considered worthless by her own community, realized Jesus depended on her that Samaritan women lives mattered. Jesus built trust, affirmed she had worth. Soon, Jesus was going to get real personal with her. He had to have a genuine relationship to leverage so he could have that difficult conversation to speak truth in love. As I said before, it's all about relationship. Difficult conversations on racism and racial justice are hard. So leverage relationship. Applying this concept, get proximate to racial justice, we know change is impossible working at a distance. We've got to find ways to get closer to the excluded, the marginalized, the discriminated, because when we proximate to those who have suffered racism, we will hear things, see things that will not be able to hear or see otherwise. That's what Jesus did. Getting closer to people to proximate leads to authentic relationships. As a dentist and, and, and as a pastor, I've been blessed by friendships with non-Asian people of color. One of my favorites is Aaron Roy, 
who is an African-American pastor that I met through our many ice screening events. When he was in the Bay Area, we'd meet or get on the phone and talk about ministry and a common experience with racism and racial justice. I'd share about the Asian American experience and he teach me about the African American experience. We were both very busy, but we valued the importance of getting proximate and made time to do this. We now Zoom with a group formed by another pastor friend who helped us get proximate with his two friends, a black brother who is a police officer and a black sister who is a racial justice blogger, podcaster. Difficult conversations on racism and racial justice are hard. So leverage relationship. And I am learning so much from leveraging these relationships. Next, to engage is to change the narrative. Whenever we have difficult conversations on racism, we often have to overcome misinformation, narratives that are distortions or totally false. I often say history is written by the victors or those in power. And people latch onto stories that support what they believe. Changing the narrative means to speak truth, but to speak credibly on the issue of racial justice, we have to do the homework. Educate yourself on US history, learn the facts, study scripture, and know the stories of people of color. Can't speak truth if you don't know it. A word of counsel, unless you already cared before and had real relationships before this all exploded in the news, don't, I repeat, don't rush out to ask a black brother or sister to teach you about racial justice. Do your own homework first and be aware of your blind spots. Be self-aware before engaging in difficult conversations to change the narrative. Jesus is the master at change the narrative. In verses 16 and 17, responding to the woman's question on how she could receive living water, Jesus cut to the chase and brought up her broken past and present. Jesus told her to go and bring her husband to him. The woman, feeling uncomfortable, quickly told Jesus she had no husband. And Jesus confronted her by saying, you are right, you have had five husbands and you are living with a sixth man now. Now, Jesus was not being mean to her. Jesus cared for this woman. To receive eternal life requires repentance. So Jesus lovingly changed the woman's narrative of having no husband with the truth of having six men in her life and still searching to satisfy her thirst. Often in difficult conversations, people deflect, go on a tangent to avoid the truth. In conversations on racism, for example, especially systemic racism, denying people will deflect by going down rabbit holes. They will say, for example, systemic racism is a hoax or it's the individual's fault, or all lives matter. Don't spend too much time in those distractions. You can politely redirect the talk by asking the person, who benefits from the position you're espousing? And if Christian, ask them how their perspective is consistent to loving your neighbor. 
Back to John 4 and verse 20, the Samaritan woman tried to deflect after Jesus revealed her multiple marriages. And to her knowledge, they had never met before. She tried to deflect the conversation to where does true worship take place? Jesus played along a bit by talking about it. But when she said the Messiah would come to tell them all things, Jesus seized a moment in verse 26, changing the narrative and said, I who speak to you am he. The number seven represents perfection or completeness in Hebrew culture. And Jesus was the seventh man for this woman. This Samaritan woman was searching for the perfect relationship. Jesus is that relationship, the Messiah. The third way to engage is to stay hopeful. Conversations on racism and racial justice are hard work. Avoid getting into debates or arguments. When people stop listening, don't waste time trying to change them. Wait for another day to have that difficult conversation again. But here's where relationship with people is important. If they know you and that you care about them, they will hopefully give you space later to talk about hard issues like racism and racial justice. It may take time, so don't lose heart. Stay hopeful because hope can make extraordinary things happen. Remember, difficult conversations are hard, so leverage relationship. And the most important relationship we have that gives us hope is with our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus did exactly that with the Samaritan woman. He offered her hope through relationship as he told her about living water in verse 10, about eternal life in verse 14, and most importantly, he is the Messiah in verse 26. Jesus also gave us the Holy Spirit to help us illuminate truth and inspire transformation. Difficult conversations on racial justice can be physically, emotionally, and spiritually draining. To stay hopeful, pray, pray, and pray more. Have regular times with Jesus. Another practical tip is know your crew. Surround yourself with a few trusted allies who can support you. My daughter is involved in racial justice and reconciliation ministry at her church. And she often calls me and her mother to get counsel when she is frustrated and discouraged. Racial justice conversations are difficult. So she leverages relationship so that we can speak into her life and encourage her. That's how to stay hopeful. Time with Jesus and time with your crew. Finally, to engage means to learn to be uncomfortable. Honestly speaking, I don't like discomfort. I mean, who does? Yet change does not usually come by being comfortable. We like status quo, especially if everything is okay in our minds, but it's never about us. To love your neighbor, to fight against racism, to change systems and structures that support discrimination and privilege for the dominant culture will require being in uncomfortable places. Being anti-racist is not just changing our thinking, but also taking action opposing racism. And that will definitely take us out of our comfort zones. And Jesus himself had no problem being uncomfortable because Jesus purposely went into Samaria 
which was enemy territory in verse 4, sat at the well at high noon in verse 6 at the hottest time of day, intentionally spoke with a Samaritan woman in verse 9, risking scandal, and endured his own disciples' disgust afterwards in verse 27. I personally like the New Living Translation's version of verse 27. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Jesus willingly did uncomfortable things, radical things, shocking things to show Samaritan lives matter. Can we do the same? So here's, here's a challenge. Figure out which modern day Samaritan God is calling you to have a friendship with, to be a good neighbor to. And we all know that Jesus did the ultimate uncomfortable act for us, going to the cross to be crucified so that we may have victory over death when he rose from the dead, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. It blows my mind that I can have that kind of relationship with Jesus. How about you? In Asian cultures, we, we have a high regard for our elders. Many of us were taught to listen quietly when they spoke and not to talk back. That's why as adult children, we often have a hard time with difficult conversations with our elders. As a parent for a season, I had the attitude, dad is always right. But my children who are grown now, for me to be teachable and have humility, I listen to, to their advice in our difficult conversations because I know they care about me. Um, recently, one of our leaders shared that he had a difficult conversation with his parents and leveraged relationship with them. His parents owned rental properties and his mother was struggling to figure out how to choose from all the applicants who best lease to. He boldly suggested his parents to think differently in choosing renters, to not just evaluate applicants' credit scores. Often people of color like black and Latinx don't have the best credit ratings. Instead, he encouraged them to consider kindness to help the under-resourced. You can imagine a conversation could have gone south really fast because money issues can be very personal and touchy. But the son was leveraging his relationship with his parents to influence them to his thinking. Their difficult conversation led his parents, who are not fans at all of affirmative action, to have empathy for others struggling because of their own past experience of financial troubles. Finding common ground, the interconnection of experiencing similar hardship helped the parents to overcome their biases to consider giving back, to let others who might be having a hard time economically during this pandemic an opportunity to have a roof over their head. That's a wonderful story of a change of heart to care, to give a helping hand like a good neighbor to someone that is a person of color. Difficult conversations are hard, so leverage relationship. Recently, I enjoyed reading a book by Austin Channing Brown 
a writer, a speaker. In her book, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness, she wrote, All those years ago, I learned in church that Jesus understood the poor because of Dalen. Now, Dalen was the writer's cousin who unfortunately was in prison and later died there. I realized that Jesus also understood the accused, the incarcerated, the criminals. Jesus was accused. Jesus was incarcerated. Jesus hung on a cross with his crime listed above his crown of thorns. It doesn't bring Dalen back, but it matters to me that my God knows what Dalen's body endured. Suddenly, racial justice and reconciliation wasn't limited to black and white church members. It became a living framework for understanding God's work in the world. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to do God's work. That work includes racial justice and reconciliation which requires us to have those difficult conversations. I shared four practical ways to engage. Get proximate, change the narrative, stay hopeful, and learn to be uncomfortable. I hope they are helpful and that you will have the courage and boldness to do as Jesus did with the Samaritan woman. Isaiah 1 verse 17 tells us, Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed. Remember those instructions when having those difficult conversations. Amen. Now, before I end with prayer, I, I want to mention, if you're thinking about having a difficult conversation with someone, I invite you to come to our virtual social hall right after our service ends, and we will have our prayer ministers ready to pray you up. Actually, if you want prayer for anything, just drop in. Okay, so let's, let's pray now. Heavenly Father, help us, Lord, to be good neighbors, to love others no matter how difficult or different they are from us. We cannot change racist hearts. Only you can. But empower us to lessen the harm that racism can have, to have those difficult conversations that can transform and reconcile. Help us, guide us, change us to be obedient to your command to love your neighbor as yourself. You are the God of the poor, the widowed, the orphaned, and the persecuted. You are the God of the accused, the incarcerated, and the criminal. To us, you gave us your son, Jesus. Grace and mercy to us all through him. And it is in his most precious name I pray. Amen.